<laughs> the Lord's Supper, like baptism, is a symbolic ceremony uh, that we here at Cross Point take very seriously. It mimics uh, what took place with Jesus' final Passover feast with his disciples before he experienced crucifixion. I'm excited for what's going to happen this year at Cross Point uh, with the help of uh, Mr. Adam, we we are going to do a Seder meal, which really uh, is. If you haven't, I'm going to be honest with you. hadn't even heard the term until he mentioned it to me. Done a bunch of research on it. Pretty excited about it. We're going to have a Passover meal uh, the Friday before Easter. And so, if you've never experienced that, he's going to take us through that. Explain kind of each piece of that and what it means. And uh, we haven't offered that before. At least, you, I mean, while I've been here, we haven't offered it before. So I'm excited about that. I hope that maybe uh, that Wednesday before Easter, I know even if you don't normally come to the gathering, that you'll kind of carve out some time that night to come participate in that um, and, and bring your kids. I want kids here. I want them to experience that and for you to be able to talk to them about it and for that to spurn on some conversation. And uh, maybe it'll get a little crazy. I understand that. But uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get out some more details about that here in the coming weeks and, and kind of give you an opportunity to sign up for that just so we know the number and know uh, the amount of food that we need to provide. But uh, I'm excited about it. And now I said it out loud, so it has to happen, Adam. So there you go. <laughs> pretty pumped, pretty pumped about that. Now, our statement on the Lord's Supper in our core beliefs reads, the Lord's Supper is the representation of Jesus' final meal with his closest followers. As believers, we partake in the Lord's Supper of bread and fruit of the vine as Jesus did, which symbolized his broken body and blood spilt on the cross. I read that multiple times this week as split, and that is not correct. It is spilt. Uh, when we do this, we do so in remembrance of Christ's sacrifice. As Christians, this is also a time of reflection and self-examination of our relationship and standing with God. At Crosspoint, we invite all followers of Jesus to participate in the Lord's Supper with us. Okay, and so when we talk about that last Passover meal, there are a few passages that kind of cover that in the Gospels. I've decided on Luke chapter 22, verses 14 through 23 this week. So you can follow along on the screen, or if you have a paper copy or digital, follow along with me here. It says, and when the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you that I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it amongst yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he gave to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. For the Son of Man goes as it has been determined, but woe to the man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to question one another, which of them could it be who was going to do this? <coughs> Excuse me. As I've told you, I have not felt great this week, so I'm going to try not to cough all over this sermon this morning, but there's a chance that's going to happen. Now, when we read this story, I think that we get to see a unique Jesus, okay? I really do. This is a moment in where uh, Jesus is relaxed, says he's reclined at the table. He's very comfortable. He is in the presence of his closest friends. He's chilling, right? I mean, he really is. I mean, I, I just like 
think of Jesus in this moment and there's some kind of hip hop beat in the background as he's just like laying back at the table participating in this Passover meal and uh, also at the same time he expresses some really serious foundational powerful truths about what's getting ready to happen to him on the cross and exactly uh, what his body is going to provide for us as believers and he expresses his desire to be there with him at that moment. He says, I, I've longed to have this meal with you. I've longed to have this meal for you, with you. And it's easy to look past verses 14 and 15. I'm going to read those one more time. It says, when the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I've earnestly desired to eat this Passover meal with you before I suffer. Now, I think it's easy to just kind of read through those as Jesus is kind of just introducing what's getting ready to take place in this moment. But I think that would be a mistake for us to read past those verses and not see them as significant. I think they're truly, truly meaningful. These men, his disciples, believed in him. They followed him. They left everything to do so. And this tells me that the Lord's Supper isn't for everyone. The Lord's Supper isn't for everyone. Now, we see in Scripture him feed the thousands, him host feasts, him go to wedding parties, him change water into wine, right, in order to keep the party going. There are numerous instances where Jesus is inviting everyone who will come to to come and share in a meal with him, to be taught, to have discussion, to have fellowship, to eat. This is not one of those moments. This is not one of those moments where he invites everyone to the table. He seeks out seclusion. He sends his disciples into the city before this moment to find a place for them as a group in private to share this meal. You see, the Lord's Supper isn't for everyone. It's for those who are in relationship with him, those who left their old lives to follow him. In short, it's for Christians. It's for Christians. Now, I, I said this. There were a lot of meals, a lot of feasts that Jesus invited everybody to, but this is just not one of those occasions. So we here at Crosspoint ask those who don't consider themselves to be Christians to abstain. Now, there are some churches that participate in what we would call closed communion, where they really just focus communion on members of their church. We don't do that. If anybody is in this room at the time that we have communion and they are in right relationship with Jesus, we ask for them to partake if they desire to, because it is a very significant moment in the believer's life. Okay? It is a moment when we remember the Lord. And so if we continue on in verses 17 through 20 in that passage, I'm going to read back through those again too. It says, he took the cup and when he had given thanks, he said, take this, divide it among yourselves. For I tell you from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after that, they had eaten after they had eaten saying this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood you see every time we partake in the lord's supper we are taking of the body and the blood of christ that's what it represents now we don't go as far as catholicism that says this is the actual blood and the actual body of christ okay we 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 see it as symbolic not that the uh eucharist really becomes christ right we don't, we don't see it that way. That has caused some problem for priests in the past because 
let me tell you, you cannot let a drop of blood that belongs to Jesus spill, right? So there's wine left over. It's getting drunk. I mean, I'm not even trying to be funny, but it is kind of, I mean, it's just, it's, it's real. So we, we recognize, at least we believe that it is symbolic. This doesn't truly uh, consist of the blood and body of Christ, but it certainly represents that. It certainly represents the body and blood of Christ. And that's what Christ tells us. See, the Lord's cracker, the Lord's cracker. Woo! <laughs> Guys, listen. That's one of my uh, favorite moments I've ever had. And if you don't make a t-shirt out of that somehow, some way, I'm going to be super disappointed. And from now on, I'm going to tell you all to take the Lord's cracker when we do this. So that is not what I meant to say. What I meant to say in a really serious and powerful, poignant moment that was going to take place is that the Lord's Supper isn't just some cracker and juice, okay? It's not goodness. This is off the rails. The Lord's Supper isn't just some cracker and juice. This is sustainment. It is sustainment which comes through Christ taking our place in crucifixion. And we really need to understand that. The Lord's cracker. Goodness gracious. Forgive me, Jesus. This is sustainment which comes through Christ taking our place in crucifixion. That's pretty powerful. It represents the fact that he gave his life so that we might live. He gave of his body so that we might have a body. He gave up his blood so that we wouldn't have to shed ours. And you know what? It's really important that when we take this meal, that we take it in the right spirit because one at the table did not. Right? One at the table did not. It goes on to say in verses 21 through 23, but behold, the hand of a man who betrays me is with me on the table. For the Son of Man goes as it has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to question one another, which of them it could be who was going to do this. Now again, I think that these are powerful verses. I think that the majority of us who have spent any time in church realize that this is referring to Judas who betrayed Jesus, right? And so at times it's easy to... Um, almost become comfortable in a sense with those verses and just read right past them, okay? But I want us to think about those verses as we step into 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 23 through 29. It says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now, that's really powerful, really powerful so far. But I want, again, us to think back of those verses 21 through 23 when he talks about the, the hand of the man who betrays him is resting on the same table, right? When your hand's resting on a table, everybody ever be taught, don't put your arms on the table when you're eating. You been there? No, just me. It was one of those things like, get your arms off the table, sit up straight, right? We're, we're at dinner. Uh, this is dinner. <laughs> no, just, but 
there's a seriousness about, about sharing a meal together, but man, to have your hand on the same table as Jesus while you're sharing his last Passover meal, that's comfort. That's comfort. And this man felt comfort in Jesus' presence and yet would still betray him. So think about those verses as we look at 27 through 29. It says, whoever therefore eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. And let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. See, that's what Judas did in that time. He ate and he drank judgment on himself. He ate the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. And because he did so, he faced the judgment of God. And if you know anything about Judas' story, you know that he did not last much longer than Jesus on this earth. He found himself destroyed. You see, we partake in the Lord's Supper to remember Jesus. We partake in the Lord's Supper to remember Jesus. Paul just said it in that passage in 1 Corinthians that however often we do this, okay? And, and churches, uh, they do it in all sorts of increments. Some churches do it every single Sunday. Um, and I don't, I'm not speaking ill of those churches. I know for me, that would not be good because it would just become ritual, right? It, should, it would just, and again, I'm talking for me. I'm not, I, I don't want anybody to think I'm bad now. I'm not, not bad mouthing anybody. I'm just telling you that for me, it would eventually just become the Lord's cracker and some juice, right? Like it would just be like, oh, well, here's the time. Okay. Right. And I don't ever want it to be that. I don't. So here in our church, we take it what we would call quarterly, right? We split the, the year up into quarters every three months. Is that how that works? Yeah. Three months or so. We do it at least one time in those three months, right? We'll, we'll partake in the Lord's Supper because however often we do it, how, why are we doing it? We are doing it in remembrance of Christ to remember what it is that he accomplished for us on the cross, that his body was broken and his blood was spilt to bring about our sustainment in our life, a gift of grace that we did not deserve. He took our place in crucifixion. And so the gospel of Luke, which we just have read, and also in Mark, it tells us that whenever we do this, we do this in remembrance of Jesus. And that every single time we partake Okay, every single time we partake in the Lord's Supper, we are proclaiming the saving power of Jesus. And every single time we partake in the Lord's Supper, I believe it's almost as if we are accepting the salvation again of Jesus. We are taking his body and we are taking his blood and we are making it a part of our body because his sacrifice was the only sacrifice worthy to make us holy enough for God to see us as his children. And every time we take the Lord's Supper, we are testifying to the power of what he did on the cross. But we have to keep Judas in mind. We have to keep Judas in mind because we must ensure that we abstain from partaking in an unworthy manner. You see, Scripture tells us that we must examine ourselves. Examine ourselves, which literally means that we are testing to prove ourselves acceptable to take in the Lord's Supper. 
Because if we partake in an unworthy manner, which means that, that we have unconfessed sin against God or a brother or sister in Christ, if we partake of the Lord's Supper in an unrepentant manner with sin dividing us from God, we are not drinking and eating the forgiveness that was won on the cross. We are drinking and eating the judgment that Jesus experienced on the cross. And oh boy, that's a bad deal. I mean, it's just a, a, a bad deal. I want you to hear what um, Paul continues to say because this verse I feel like doesn't get read a whole lot when we read this 1 Corinthians passage. This is 1130, okay? Chapter 11, verse 30, right after what we just read. It says, that is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. This isn't figurative. This isn't symbolic. This is Paul attributing illness, weakness, and death to the misuse of the Lord's Supper. To those who participated in much more of a feast than what we participate in today with our cracker and our juice, but I would argue no less significant but took it with unrepentant sin in their hearts and anger and sin towards their neighbors. Paul says, literally, you are experiencing illness and weakness and death because you have abused the Lord's supper. So the way we avoid this, what verse 28 told us to do in the passage in Luke or in the passage in 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry, examine ourselves. We must always, before we partake, examine ourselves. It literally, like I said, means testing to approve. Testing to approve ourselves worthy of the Lord's Supper. You see, part of the Lord's Supper is spending time in reflection and prayer. Every time we take the Lord's Supper, I go over these verses because I want to make sure that all of us are participating in that moment, that we are all examining ourselves, that we are all making sure that we don't have anything in our lives that should prevent us from taking the Lord's Supper. And I always make sure that I say that if you do not partake in the Lord's Supper for one of two reasons, because you do not consider yourself a Christian or because there is something in your life right now that is separating you from Christ, you have nothing but my respect and admiration. And I truly mean that because you are making a godly decision. You are making a biblical decision. It is the right choice. Now, I have been in churches and I know what it's like for them to pass the plate and bring the bread and bring the juice and you abstain from it because you feel like you shouldn't, but we're always worried in the back of our minds of what, is, what are people going to think? What are they going to think? Are they going to judge me? What are they going to think? What if they now know that something's going on in my life? And what I would tell you is, don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. That's that, Hey, if they're looking at you thinking that, they need to dump their juice out. Give the cracker back. 
I remember one time I was younger, I was in high school, and uh, I had just really come to the Lord and was starting to kind of do things uh, in a godly way in my life, and we're partaking in the Lord's Supper, and, and I had abstained, and uh, but there was it wasn't like me yet. Like I was sitting in the back, because that's where good Baptists sit in the back, right? And, and, and so there was a, a lady up in front, and she had abstained. She, she decided that she was not worthy to, to partake it. And you have eyes. I mean, you see this. And, and so, you know, you're just observing. Well, somebody else saw it too. And it was, um, a much older, uh, female, um, who, um, was legally deaf, um, but also did not realize that. So she thought she was whispering and she says loud enough for the whole world to hear, calls the lady by name and says, she didn't take that. What do you think's happening with her? And I thought, dear Lord, she might die right now. Like, this might be one of those Bruce Almighty, smite me Almighty, smiter moments. Like, it might happen right now. Here's what I'll tell you. You can never control others. We know this. You can't control others. You can't control what they think. You can't control what they say. You can't control their judgment on you. Let them be crooked. Let them be sinful. You do what you should do because you should do it. We talk to our kids all that time uh, about that all the time. It doesn't matter what your friends did. doesn't matter what teacher did. doesn't matter about this. doesn't matter about that. You make the right decision that you know is the right decision because you know it is the right decision, right? That's called character. That's character in Christ. And the only thing you exhibit when you don't partake in the Lord's Supper is that you have Christian-like character that you understand the significance of what's taking place, that you have tested to see if you are approved to partake and you have realized that you are not. That is called maturity. That is called maturity. And we all must abstain if that is what we feel God is telling us to do because the Holy Spirit, I'm telling you, will lead you. You just have to listen. There will be a yes, there will be a no. And if it says no, you better say no as well. And guys, let me tell you also, I know what it's like to have kids with you while you take the Lord's Supper who are innocent, beautiful little babies um, all the time and not sinful in any way. And uh, the cracker and the juice comes around and they are ready for World War III because you got it and they want it too. Well, let your kid cry. Let him fuss. Don't give it to him. Buy him a Happy Meal later. Comes with a toy, nuggets and fries. It's great. But in that moment, you have a moment where you get to teach your child about the significance of what Christ accomplished on the cross. And you get to teach your child about what the wafer, the cracker, the gluten-free foam, whatever it is, means, right? But, but, but you, you get to explain to them that it's not just this thing, which trust me, if you're just hoping for a snack, you don't want anyways, right? But you get to explain to them that this isn't just something that we do. This is the body of Christ that we are taking. This is the blood of Christ that we are taking. Son, daughter, Jesus loves you. He died for you. You know how sometimes mom and dad have to punish you because you you make mistakes and 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 you don't always do things right. Yeah, I know. But we call that sin. And, and when we sin, you know what? We have to face consequences for sin. 
But because Jesus loves us so much, he took those consequences that, that we were supposed to have. It'd be like me grounding you from your tablet because you're acting like a, a holy terror. But then somebody else coming in and saying, oh, here's your tablet, right? Like, like there's ways to explain and teach and, and, and to get them to understand this is a beautiful, powerful moment for you to connect them to Christ for you to start to lay that foundation for them, to tell them why it is we do what it is that we do. And I understand the struggle. I understand the struggle for all parties. I understand what it's like for a child to want to partake, and I understand what it's like for you as a parent to, to desire them to, to have that. I also understand what it's like to have an adult with you that doesn't know Christ, and, and you not wanting them to experience shame, and you not wanting them to feel left out. But in those moments, we have a chance to share the gospel. We have a chance to explain what it is that Christ did on the cross. And the great thing about the Lord's Supper is that it also serves as a call to repentance. The Lord's Supper is a call to repentance. And it's a celebration of what Christ did on the cross that makes repentance an act that actually brings about forgiveness. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? That's what the Lord's Supper does for us. Use it as an opportunity to share the gospel. Don't cheapen it by not seeing it for how important and unique it really is. Let's pray. God, we come to you right now in this day and we thank you for this moment and this opportunity to reflect on what the Lord's Supper is. And Lord, today, I know that um, I had considered us taking the Lord's Supper and eventually decided not to because what I really want today to be is, is a time that is just full of reflection as far as what the actual process is and why we do what we do when we partake in the Lord's Supper and what it all means. And, and Lord, I would pray that for each and every one of us, you would help us wrestle with this subject matter because, God, it, 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 it is something that... Um, is, is tough, I feel like, to fully flesh out. But at the same time, I feel like Scripture is pretty clear. Scripture is pretty clear. And if we just read Scripture, we see how important it is. We see, God, what it is that we must do as far as the process that we must uh, undergo before we partake in this. And, and, and Lord, um, the Lord's Supper truly is a, a moment of reflection and repentance and a time to, to bring ourselves back into right standing um, with Jesus and, and with you, God. And uh, while I don't want us to pass up that opportunity ever, and, and it's certainly important, God, we have that opportunity every Sunday. We have that, 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 that ability to come to you and... and and repent of our sin and lay ourselves at your feet and turn our lives over to you. We have that opportunity every Sunday, every day, every day, not just every Sunday, every single day we have the opportunity to be repentant. We have the opportunity to be in relationship with you. We have the opportunity to pray without ceasing. Lord, I, I would just lift up every single person in this room that they would use today, right now, in this moment, as a time of introspection. That they would be honest with themselves. That they would be truthful about where they stand with you. 
that God, that you would remove any part of them that maybe feels shame or embarrassment at having to somehow admit that they have fallen short because God, we have all fallen short. We have all fallen short and we are all fighting the same fight to no longer let sin have control in our lives. And God, we can win that battle. We can win that battle because of what Jesus did on the cross, because he broke his body and he spilled his blood and he did so willingly out of love for us. How amazing, how amazing that he took our place in crucifixion. We are in awe. We are in awe. I ask these things that I ask in Jesus' powerful name, knowing that he gives to those who ask. Be with us, Lord. Amen. Stand up. Let's worship. If you need to pray, come pray with me. Let's pray about whatever it is that you need to pray about. If you need to come talk about salvation, if this is the day that it's time for you to repent, that it's time for you to turn your life over to Jesus, that it's time for you to make him the leader of your life, let's do that right now in this moment. Let's not wait. Let's not wait another second. Let's accomplish that today. Otherwise, this is a time that you get to reflect, you get to repent, you get to praise. How lucky are we? How lucky are we?